greetings and felicitations. Welcome to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Welcome to the next installment of my podcast. Okay, listen to what I tell you. Close your eyes. Breathe deeply in through your nose. And slowly, don't force it, let the air escape out your pursed lips. Purse your lips and exhale slowly. Repeat until calm. These are some of the basic breathing techniques that I've been indoctrinated into as part of my therapy sessions. Yes, I am in therapy. Uh, As a part of my Continuing, I guess, education and uh, treatment for my upcoming kidney transplant. I don't know when I'm going to get one. I just know I'm on the list. And I'm waiting for a kidney replacement to save my life. And one of the last things that I did, I mean, I've done the blood work. I've done the vascular work. uh, They've prodded here and there, looked in my gut to find the best place to put a new kidney, and uh, the last thing was a psychiatric evaluation, which happened early in June, and as a result, uh, the doctor that I was assigned to me, Dr. Raj, very cool doctor, uh, she's a psychologist actually, determined, you know, I basically told her my story, and I told her that, you know, for the past 36 years since I got out of the military, I've suffered from PTSD, but I was never officially diagnosed, but I knew there was something wrong with me because, I mean, my behavior was not normal, Uh, so she gave me a test, it was a 30-question test, and at the end of the test, I scored a, there, there was a point, there was a point value assigned to each question based on my answer. My score was a 32. And in order for me to have full-blown PTSD, I would have to score on a 33 or a 34 or higher. But based on the fact that I scored a 32, showed that I have all the symptoms of PTSD, but not full-blown PTSD. So in the 36 years since my departure from the military, it has subsided. It's slightly diminished simply because I just learned how to deal with it. I never never had any outside help. This was just all me. And I managed to deal with it. So now I'm in therapy with her. Uh, We meet once a month. My next session is August the 18th, the day after my birthday. And she's impressed with my abilities to have dealt with what I've dealt with. Simply because most men... uh, Usually, I mean, you've seen them. The guys that drool or are in the corner and don't associate with anyone. That was me for a while. I mean, you know, I didn't didn't leave my house for the first two years from 84 to 86. And I was a a basket case. I I really, really was. I mean, I was angry all the time. Uh, I mean, if you ask anybody who knew me back in the day, uh, yeah, there was there was definitely something wrong with me. But it was me, so they just let it slide, I guess. I don't know. But uh, 
she left me with some interesting techniques, really mostly, and, and you know what, I had been doing those for years already before she taught me how to do it. I've been doing it on my own for years. Simply was the way I would deal with anxiety attacks, you know, just deep breathing and just try to relax myself and calm down. Sometimes, most times it worked, sometimes it got the better of me and, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't good. So... There are other techniques, uh, what, what's it called, uh, displacement, I think, where you sit down in a dark, quiet room and you project yourself in a theater. This is the way we started. And she said, describe or imagine in your mind a pleasant scene on the screen in front of you. And have sound. And I remember conjuring up a field with a big bright blue sky and a few big fluffy clouds in it. And there were things growing in the field. I don't know if they were weeds or flowers or what, wheat, I don't know. And... It was blowing in a very stiff wind, and I'm walking through it. It's almost like that scene from Gladiator when he's walking in Elysium uh, through the fields of barley, I guess, towards his house. And there was music, and it was uh, Mozart. Maybe not Mozart, but I remember the song specifically was Ode to Spring. And so I was very serene. All she could hear on the other end of the phone, because this was a, f a phone a meeting, was my, my breathing. Very soft and steady. And I actually got up from my seat in the theater, walked up on stage, walked into the screen, and was in the, 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 the thing I conjured up in my mind. I was very calm, it was very serene. And then she's having me walk through this field, touching everything. And I could feel, you know, the textures of the things I was touching. I could feel the ground underneath my feet as I walked, crushing and crunching some of the, the foliage that was under my feet. Then she told me to stop, to turn around and walk back. So I'm walking back, and I can actually see the screen, and I see the auditorium, and I see empty seats, and I'm still walking through this field. I step through the screen, walk down the steps of the stage, back into my seat, and then I came back to reality. The whole trip took about seven and a half minutes, but it seemed much, much faster. And she was very impressed because usually most people don't have the kind of success doing this as I did. I just have a very vivid imagination. You know, I can project myself a whole lot of places. As a matter of fact, as we were chatting, uh, we were talking about this kind of uh, um, therapy and I told her that one time 
I actually had an out-of-body experience. That impressed her. I told her I was with some friends. We, were, we had gone to Port Aransas to go fish. We got there at about 1 in the morning, and it was pouring rain. We had no place to stay. So we pulled into a car wash. That was the best place to get out of the rain. The three of us were cramped in this little cab of a Chevy S10 pickup. It was a small little pickup, like a Ranger, like a Ford Ranger. So we were all big guys, so I decided to get out just to stretch my legs because the trip was long and arduous because of the rain, mostly. So I went to the back of the, of the truck. They stayed in the cab, and I pulled down the tailgate, and I just sat there watching the rainfall. I sat there, and I closed my eyes, and I listened to the rain, and it was mesmerizing. And I remember just listening to the rain, and then I felt myself floating. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down, and I found that I was about five feet off the ground. I was almost hitting the, the ceiling of the, of the uh, stall we were in, the car wash. So, I de- decided to have a little fun. I decided to float around the stall, and it was very easy for me to. I even saw myself sitting on the truck, on the, on the pickup gate. So I floated around to the front of the cab and I could see my two friends sitting in the cab of the truck asleep. So I continued in a full circle to the other back to the back of the pickup, to the back of the pickup where I was. And I closed my eyes and focused again on the rain falling. And the rain started to slow down, started to subside. And as it did, I slowly fell back into my body and I opened my eyes and I was sitting back on the truck. And I could hear one of my friends calling me and I said, you guys all right? They go, yeah, we fell asleep. I said, I know. I saw you. And I told them what happened. They didn't believe a word I said, but I, I, I know I had an out-of-body. I never, it's never happened to me in my life, but I did have an out-of-body experience. So the rain stopped, we got back, we all piled back in the cab of the truck, found a hotel to go and sleep off the rest of the night so we could start fishing the next day. But anyway, when I told the doctor that story, she was quite impressed because she's never had an out-of-body experience. So, you know, I told her that I do subscribe to some of the Eastern uh, ways because she's also... Uh, uh, Indian, Hindu, I believe. Uh, but like I said, she's a very good doctor. She's, she listens. She's not overbearing or doesn't try to figure stuff out. She just lets it flow. She just lets me flow as a patient, which is a good thing. So, anyway, we're going to be doing these monthly uh, meetings. To continue. She knows about my situation with what, what caused my trauma back in 1984. Uh, I do know I had a very traumatic experience and it affected me many, many years after I got out of the service, which affected me in more ways than I can imagine. I mean, I held myself back from so many things and uh, I struggled. And I have a couple of friends that also have PTSD and they, they struggle also. 
it's not easy dealing with uh, an illness like that. So if you went to Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria and saw some shit, believe me, I can, I can understand, I can relate. Because I saw some shit too. Experienced it firsthand. So anyway, uh, I'm in therapy for that. It's the last step on my road to finding a kidney. And, uh, all right. Well, that's the end of this segment. So, I tell you what. Thank you for listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And we will be back with more stuff. So stick around. Thanks for listening. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and wow, this is definitely going to be the shortest episode that I've ever done. Uh, I only managed to squeeze off two segments, and this is the second one. Uh, this is, I mean, it's just, it's not that uh, anything going on that's major, just I haven't really had any topics. And, um, I still don't. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's, what's to talk about. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I could talk about, but I'm trying to be a little bit apolitical and not, not get too much into it simply because it's very, it's like walking on eggshells right now for everybody, whether you're on, on left or the right, doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's everybody's walking on eggshells. Because nobody wants to say who they're going to vote for because it can spark a very debatable debate. And by that, I mean an argument that leads to, I don't know, it's almost amazing what, I wonder what it's going to be like on the day of the election. I'm doing early voting, and I think a lot of people are. So I expect the polls that I go to to be very full probably even a line and uh, the actual day of the election I wouldn't be surprised if there were two or three fist fights in the line waiting to vote it's that intense <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it is just that volatile and uh, when you see the stuff going on on, on, the, on the news it's amazing that We've held it together this long. You know, I have my beliefs, my convictions. <coughs> Once again, excuse me. Uh, here comes another one. Hold on. Uh, I have my beliefs and my convictions. And they are from years of what I've done. Serving in the military was probably the one that put me over the top and uh, I still honor the oath that I took to defend the constitution from all enemies foreign and domestic now I may not be one person to go out there and and protest but I'm going to be the person that stands against you when you try to burn down any kind of courthouse, police station or federal building because it's just not called for. 
I remember that old um, Schoolhouse Rock. And the one that always stuck in my head, and I think it's, it's told for, for everybody, is the story about the bill. Making amendments to the Constitution, where we have our Bill of Rights. But there's also something in the Constitution called the Preamble, which is what the, the bill sings, you know, and I think every kid that's ever watched that learned the preamble to the Constitution. And right now the preamble is being violated in many, many ways. Some of our guarantees are not being met. Number one is to ensure domestic tranquility. When you have people trying to burn down a federal courthouse simply because they're angry and I'm unhappy, and when you ask them, what are your demands? They really don't know. Because an honest, in all God's honest truth, there are very few black people in these groups. These are mostly white, college-educated individuals who have nothing better to do. Probably because they don't have a job and still live at home with mom and dad and are itching for some to pay somebody back. You know, they, they've got plenty of experience playing Call of Duty. I once saw two guys arguing over the Call of Duty game. One bragging that he's a level 12 in Call of Duty. You would think he had won the Congressional Medal of Honor in a battle, but no, he plays a video game. So he's killed a lot of video soldiers. There's no remorse. There's no PTSD. You go on to the next level and the next level and the next level. They were actually arguing about this, that one was a level 12 and the other one was only a level 2. So I have more experience than you. You've never set foot on a battlefield. A battlefield is the noisiest, ugliest, most foul-smelling place there can ever be. Men die on a battlefield. Men lose their bowels on a battlefield. The inside of the human body stinks when it rots. They don't offer you that in Call of Duty. I know they don't. But yet, a lot of these guys are fired up because they played Call of Duty or Zombie Killer or whatever. And guess what? There are no zombies out there. Just federal agents trying to protect a federal building. And your dumbass went out there to try to destroy it because you have nothing better to do. That's the sickening part. It's just amazing how quickly we turn away from from the law, you know, and it reminds me of the old movie, well, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Jimmy Stewart played a lawyer in a, in a lawless town, and he wanted to bring the law to that town. There was another, another man there, John Wayne, who tried to get him to, to leave and go, go back to, east, to the East Coast, where he would be better off, because this was a lawless town, and all he's going to find there is death. And then he ran into Liberty Valance, the, the town bully. 
And it got to the point where he called Liberty Valance out and was going to do a, a gun duel with him. And Liberty Valance did everything he could to humiliate him, to get him to back down, and he wouldn't. So finally, when it came down to the final draw, Jimmy Stewart drew his gun, and the gun fired, and Liberty Valance went down. In the ensuing turmoil, the character of Jimmy Stewart became the mayor of the town, eventually going on to become governor of the territory and the governor of the state when it was granted statehood, and had a prestigious uh, career in, in, uh, in government. And then he found out he never really shot Liberty Valance. It was actually John Wayne's character that did that because John Wayne was, a, was handy with a gun. Jimmy Stewart was not. And John Wayne didn't want any accolades. He goes, I did you a favor, Pilgrim. And Jimmy Stewart had to live with that. So I guess the, the, the core value is that somebody's always going to stand up. And I'm willing to stand up. And I know a lot of other people that are willing to stand up. We don't have to grab our guns. We don't have to load them. We're going to use the ballot box. And we're going to put law and order back in office. And we're going to see that the left runs back and recoils and hides and bides their time for the next four years to see what they're going to do to try and thwart the election. This is what I believe. You don't have to agree with me, and I don't care if you do or you don't. You need to wake up. If you're listening to this, if you're an American, you need to wake up. You need to be woke. The left is going to take everything away from you. Your job, your health care, your livelihood. We're all going to be wearing the same gray jumpsuit. We're all going to be living in the same gray... Remember the wall where everybody was the same? It's just going to be like that. That's the scary part. That should scare anybody. So, what I'm going to tell you is I don't care who you vote for. Just get out there and make your voice known. That's the only way you exercise your right as an American is to say who you, going to, who you want to run this country. Do you want the left or the right? That's just your choice. I can't tell you who to vote for because I know who I'm voting for. And I know what I'm voting for. Do you? That's all I'm asking. Wake up. Wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up and see what's going on. I can't hold you by the hand and show you. You have to see it for yourself. You should be able to see what's going on. I'm not saying every politician's honest. Of course not. I don't I never delude myself with that. But the thing is, oh, here's the thing. You are an individual that can make up his own mind. I may not agree with with what your mind is going to do. I may. We don't know. That's why we'll never know unless you blurt it out and tell everybody what what you did. And then you better be prepared for the fallout. So, 
Like I said, this is going to be the shortest episode I think I ever did. Only, it's only two segments. But I will be back with more things, more guests. I, I got guests lined up. It's just a matter of uh, trying to find time because some of them are in the hospital and uh, doing their thing. So thank you for sticking around. Thank you for supporting and listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. And uh, thanks to Anchor Radio for putting my podcast out there and giving everybody, giving myself a platform to say what I got to say. I will have more to come about being on dialysis, uh, get back to the meat of what, what I do or what I am. And we'll go from there. But thank you very much for listening, for supporting the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. So always remember, as I close every show, live your life as if today is your last day on this earth. Laugh at everything around you and especially yourself. And love everybody in this world because they are your brothers and sisters. And we have to love them like family. They're not always going to do the right thing. But... uh, Let's hope they do. These are the Chairland Chronicles, signing off.